0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining the Lead Hership Global program this week. At LeadHership Global, we feature inspiring connections with powerful women in business, politics, and entertainment that provide priceless guidance that you can use today to show up, speak up, and step up in your career and your personal life. Learn more about this confidential, supportive, and global community on our website, leadhershipglobal.com. You know, there is a growing concern about the decline of employee loyalty all over the world, and that can greatly impact productivity and innovation, which then contributes to a vicious cycle of continual decline. A positive company culture is absolutely critical in minimizing employee turnover, and your leadership, the way you lead, the way you interact with others, and the way you make decisions is absolutely critical to creating a positive company culture. Companies, as well as nonprofits and public employers all want to do better. But to create a great culture where employees want to stay is more than just one silver bullet that will work for everyone. Different people will decide to stay with the company for very different reasons. So your plan for retaining employees should be wide and diverse. Seek to understand the needs of different age groups and create strategies for each generation. So how can the workplace be made more attractive and fulfilling, especially to young, talented employees who have so much energy to offer? Well, I got to tell you, we are so lucky to be speaking with Robin Litster Johnson today, whose core passion is helping organizations create workplaces where people actually want to stay, to create businesses that are more humane, ethical, and resilient. After all, we spend most of our lives at work. Is it too much to ask to have a workplace that's actually humane, ethical, and resilient? Well, I don't think so. And Robin has the principles and practices, the tools and strategies that organizations can employ today to create this kind of positive culture for any size company or any form of organization. Now, before we jump in, let me tell you just a little bit about Robin. As a resilience and well-being advisor, Robin Litster Johnson is absolutely passionate about teaching and inspiring organizations to become more humane, ethical, and resilient, to create workplaces where people actually want to stay. She enables leaders and employees to thrive by using the kind of building blocks associated with resilience and by discovering and developing personal character strengths of each and every employee and leader. Robin has taught organizational resilience and leadership skills at the conferences of professional organizations, such as the Association for Financial Professionals, the American Land Title Association, and the New York Cash Exchange. Welcome, Robin.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Linda. It is really an honor and very much a privilege for me to be here.
0: Now, I have to ask you, as we begin our conversation, just to allow everyone to get to know you a little bit more, tell us what your journey has been like. What actually sparked this interest in helping people become more resilient, to help them focus on well-being, and to help create workplaces where people actually want to stay? You know, it's funny
1: you asked that question, because I was just uh, just in the last couple of days really thinking back what was my journey and i would a great metaphor for my life is driving the freeways of los angeles i live in los angeles near pasadena in a town called la Crescenta. some of you out there might know it uh but on the freeways of los angeles you can just be driving along you haven't exited you haven't made any turns and suddenly you're on an entirely different freeway you're going where am I? How did I get here? And for me, that is kind of a metaphor of my life where I've, where I've just had these twists and turns. Uh, but I'm very glad that I had all the twists and turns. But interesting, when I was a, um, in college uh, many, many, many years ago, my, uh, my major was broadcast journalism. Well, I took a hiatus. To be a missionary in South America, when I came back to my studies, I realized I didn't like my major. It seemed like if you're going to really succeed in this field, you have to be looking for the negative because it's bad news that sells. And I was talking to my college advisor and I was kind of expressing this. And he said, well, yeah, you can you can find some pockets of positivity, you know, in the news world. But, yeah, I guess you're kind of right. Well, um, right then. Uh, The the school I was at, Brigham Young University, had started a brand new major, and a friend told me about it, called Human Resource Development. Uh, Back then, it was a brand new major. I leapt into it, just completely fell in love with it. So I changed switch majors, the middle of my junior year, switch majors. I graduated in that, and then went on to get my MBA with an emphasis in organizational behavior. And I've just been passionate, well, very interested but also passionate about how do organizations function? How do people function within organizations? What is the human side of business that impacts the success of the business? And so that's always been a, a really great passion. And then my master's degree of just a few years ago, very much aligns with that whole, that whole world of, of looking for what's good.
0: I love that story, Robin. Thank you so much. Can you help us kind of connect the dots between some of the building blocks of resilience, what those are, what that looks like, and how that connects to, how that influences organizations creating cultures where employees really want to stay. They're humane, they're ethical, and they are resilient themselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting to note and important to note that um, organizations ultimately are made up of human beings. They're made up of individuals. And so when individuals become more resilient, then they are able to help their organizations be more resilient. And uh, a lot of the research that I've done, well, primarily with um, Karen Ryvich, she's a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. She helped develop Penn's resilience program, which is used by the United States Army and many, many, many other organizations in the world. And a couple of my uh, favorite elements of resilience are are looking at how do you think? How do you talk to yourself? Do you have thinking traps? Do you have um, ways of talking to yourself that are very um, deflating and very actually just incorrect? And how can you go about uh, changing that? And so one of the, one of my favorite skills is called real time resilience. It's called a fast skill because one you can just have in your hip pocket and whip out anytime you need it. And, and it basically is you pay attention to how you, you talk to yourself and you begin to challenge some of those things that you say to yourself. For example, um, for me, I'll say, oh, I'm such an idiot or, oh, I'm messing things up. And you say, you know, is that true? you know, that's not true because blah, 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 or a better way of looking at that is blah, blah, blah. So you have these, I call them, they're sentence starters that can help stop that negative thought in its tracks, address it, uh, reframe it, and then you're able to move on more positively. Now, one of the interesting things uh, in Karen's research and many other people's research, you have these foundations, you have these skills, but you also have what they call protective factors. They're things that protect your resilience. And one of the protective factors is positive organizations. So having organizations, you know, my tagline is humane, ethical, and resilient. My daughter pointed out that that spells H-E-R, her. <laughs> and so I think it's so wonderful that you have your leadership global and, you know, humane, ethical, and resilient. They also said H-E-R is connected to some wild metal rock band, which I'm not all, you know, connected to. I'm in the classical world. So I did not adopt that acronym. But anyway, the notion that positive organizations can help protect our individual resilience and by having people in your organization with better resilience skills, resilience is like a muscle, it's not like a light switch that's on and off or you're born with it or you're not, you build it, then we can have um, better organizations.
0: That's wonderful, thank you so much. Thank you for explaining the connection between the building blocks of resilience and helping organizations become more humane, ethical and resilient, that's wonderful. So let me just ask we talked earlier about the fact that you have some really i think effective principles and practices to create a positive culture and to create the kind of workplace that people want to be associated with they want to work at a workplace that employs these kinds of principles and practices. So can you explain maybe the top three principles and practices needed to create a positive culture? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, The three top for me, I would say are meaning, belonging, and collaboration. And meaning is so powerful because uh, having a sense of meaning gives people a reason number one, to even show up at work and um, Harvard Business School did a Harvard Business Review uh, research article. They found that nine out of 10 people would rather have less pay over the course of their lifetimes if they could be consistently involved in work that is meaningful. In fact, they said a meaning is the new money. You can't just throw money at people and expect them to perform, there needs to be a level of meaning. And I really think that the COVID uh, pandemic really, I think it's always been there, but the COVID pandemic and the lockdowns and the deaths and the chaos and the disruption and the inconvenience really made people stop and think, how do I want to live my life? What do I want to do? And, and you know, people's flexibility varies from company to company. But having a sense of meaning, having a sense of purpose is number one. And would you like me? I know I've been kind of rattling on here. Do you want me to give you a couple of, of examples? Okay. So some months ago, in fact, just during the pandemic, I heard um, a, the president of WD-40, that's the name of the company, WD-40, talk about his organization. He went on for a half an hour that this is not just oil in a can. We help solve problems so families can go on vacations. We help fix things so that businesses can stay in business. I was blown away. He said, this is not just oil in a can. Well, WD-40 company was started in 1958. Well, I was born in 1957. I just turned 65. And so WD-40 is just about ready to have its 65th anniversary next year. And one of the reasons is they have a deep sense of meaning. We're not just oil in a can. The second, uh, I love this up next or uh, example I'll give um, is called Clark Industries. It's a family-owned company, and they've uh, they're now on into their fourth generation. Of uh, the fourth generation is now running this company. It's a pest control company. You know, they kill mosquitoes and they kill bugs and stuff. And um, so that used to be kind of what they did. You know, our meaning is well, we kill mosquitoes. That's what we do we kill mosquitoes. Well, that's not very inspiring. So they had a company-wide meeting where they talked about who are we? What are we all about? And they instead came up with the meaning that we help communities be more safe, comfortable, and livable. I might not be saying that exactly correctly, but that is the notion. They went from "well, we kill mosquitoes to we make communities um, safe, Comfortable and livable. Okay, so if that's who we are, if that's what we do, well, they began in looking and developing ways that their pest control could be more environmentally friendly. They had a a a job in their company where people would have to drive around checking meters. Now, I'm not sure what meters they were checking, but they had to drive around to do this job. Very boring. They had a terrible time keeping the positions filled. And they said, hey, why don't we change this job to be where people, if it's good weather, they ride a bicycle so they can ride a bicycle around. It cuts down on the environmental footprint. It saves us money in you know, cars and insurance. And it's just more pleasant and more interesting. Well, guess what? Now that job position, they have a waiting list for people wanting that job. And so it's a win-win. And the other thing that they did is they they may have been doing this all along, but this is just one thing that I heard about from their current chief officer, is they created these uh, mosquito nets that you could put, you know, that, that in, for in Africa countries they could put over people's beds. And it stopped the mosquito that causes elephantitis. And so they they created these, they distributed them to multiple uh, villages in Africa, and in three different villages, they have stopped elephantitis. And so, again, by shifting their mindset, by shifting their meaning from We Kill Mosquitoes to We Make Communities Safe, <clears throat> Livable, and Comfortable, look what they've been able to do. and And they're just continuing to be even more and more successful. So I say that if a, you know, if WD-40, which has oil in a can, and Clark Industries that kills mosquitoes, if they can find meaning in their work, any organization can find some sort of meaning in their work. So to me, that's really huge. Number one is meaning.
0: I love that. And you also mentioned collaboration. Can you talk a little bit about that you mentioned three important impactful principles and practices to create a positive culture i love your examples of meaning talk to me a little bit about collaboration
1: okay i love 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 the word collaboration now i know that diversity equity and inclusion dei is is really big right now and it should be it should have been really big decades ago centuries ago um But to me, collaboration goes um, beyond inclusion. Inclusion means you're invited to the party, which is great. You want to be invited to the party. Collaboration to me means you're invited to the party and you get to help plan the party and you get to help execute the party. Collaboration means I believe that you have something to contribute you believe that i have something to contribute together we contribute and we find um what they sometimes said, it can be called the third way there's my way there's your way there's a third way there's a better way maybe there's a fourth fifth or tenth way but by collaborating have more having more voices and more diverse voices in the conversation we come up with better with better solutions
0: yeah i love that that's a wonderful way of describing collaboration. Thank you so much. So talk to us about some of the biggest mistakes or missteps that you see companies making in trying to create a culture where people want to work.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a, that's a great question because it leads into one of the other topics that I, um, that I think is really crucial uh, is be- having a sense of belonging. And interestingly enough, Qualtrics Every year, they do a survey about employee engagement. And uh, in 2021, they surveyed 17,000 employees in 20 different regions and in, and in 20 different uh, industries. And to their complete astonishment, uh, what skyrocketed to the top, which had never done before, was belonging and in fact they called 2021 the year of belonging in their report now granted 2021 you're just coming off of the, you're you're still in the pandemic you've had lockdowns throughout 2020 you've had a lot of people you know passing away and, and and organizations being completely upended and so in a way it's not surprising that uh you know the year belonging would be 2021 but to them it was very much surprising it wasn't pay or, or things like that and um, there's another really great book called, um, written by Margaret Greenberg and Gina Greenley. I'm hoping I'm getting those names right, um, called The Business of Race, and how w- dealing with issues of race have a positive, I should say, appropriately dealing with the business of race has a positive impact on business. But in there, they found that people who have a sense of belonging, there's lower um, turnover. There's greater commitment. There's greater productivity. Greater creativity, etc. Uh, lower um, absenteeism, etc. So a lot of a lot of good things coming out of a sense of belonging. Well, what helps build that? Do you have a friend at work? Uh, do you? Does your boss uh, recognize you at work? So those simple things of are you engaging with your employees in, on a level? Maybe it doesn't have to be too personal, but on a level that they are human beings, they're not just a cog in the wheel. So I think that is really important. Creating a sense of belonging uh, is your organization structured that friendships can occur. Do you recognize people's birthdays just by even saying happy birthday uh, to them or things like that? So those are that's one thing of belonging. Uh, There is another um, organizational change process which I have recently um, been. Becoming certified in, and and I've learned about it. It is phenomenal, called appreciative inquiry. It's what I call mining for gold. Have you heard of appreciative inquiry? Okay, yeah, it's mining for gold. And basically, it's the notion that companies already have a lot of strengths, they already have a lot of assets. And so, in any given issue that you want to discuss, you know minging or you know turnover or customer service or hey we lost a big client how can we you know turn things around take it you know doesn't matter what it is you define the issue and then you discover by bringing all these different voices bringing in your secretaries bring in the janitor you know bring in a client bring in the CFO bring in people from all levels and discuss when were we at our best on this particular issue or what individual strengths do we all have around this, this issue, what strengths, what assets does our company have? And then that's discovering. And then you dream about where do we want to be in our ideal world? If we were to wake up two years from now and things were just how we wanted them, what would that look like? And then you design, um, uh, protocols or prototypes or practices that can help you get to where you want to be. And then you create what I call return and report mechanisms so that you deliver. Uh, some people will use the word deploy. Uh, Dr. Cooper, Rider, who created this system 40, 35 years ago, uh, calls it um, destiny. Because what we do actually becomes our destiny. So you have this 5D process, define, discover, dream, design, deliver. And by, I would recommend if you want meaning, you know, what is your meaning? Who are we? That is a process that, that you need to go through getting all the voices, all the levels of voices and help de- define your meaning in belonging. I would say, um, very practical things you could do. Uh, Number one, which which I already talked about, look at what are the small rocks that are boulders in disguise. Do you have um, rituals or routines that help people engage? For example, uh, this is a major CPA firm here in the Los Angeles area. And uh, in COVID, they got shut down. Obviously, everyone got... In Los Angeles, everyone everyone got shut down okay overnight and um so they got there's there were 35 people in the company i guess to some people that might seem kind of small but at any rate um so twice a week they would get on zoom and for for they could do this thing about 15 minutes they had a question of the day or a question of the week um what's your favorite cold cereal and rapid fire. Everyone would rapid fire. Uh, who did you have a crush on? You know, what celebrity did you have a crush on when you were a teenager? You know, what was your first car? And you did this rapid fire and people are laughing their heads off. They are, you know, getting to know each other. And my, my friend who works at this company, she said they would do it twice a week, like on Tuesday and Friday. And um, it only took like 10 or 15 minutes to rapid fire and it just connected people. It boosted the spirits. Everybody's laughing. Everybody has something to look forward to. So those are some of the routines or rituals or things that you can do. Are there mechanisms by which you can make friends at work? If you're still, if you're in a hybrid situation, can you have a working lunch? If you're, you know, back to the office, Can you have a walking lunch where you go off and have lunch someplace with somebody? Or uh, maybe the CEO takes the most junior first thing in the company to go get in and out or something, you know, just something simple. So are there rituals for creating belonging, I think is really important. And creating collaboration, is there psychological safety in your organization? Uh, How do you deal with um, mistakes? Are people shamed? Are they scared to bring something up to the boss? Are you able to say, hey, here's something that is not going well in our company. Can we look at that realistically without getting you know, kind of shut down? Those are just some, some very practical things that people can do.
0: I love that, Robin. Thank you so much that those are all wonderful ideas. That's actionable insight around the idea of creating a more humane, ethical, and resilient workplace and really focusing on the three primary principles and practices for creating a positive culture, which include meaning, belonging, and collaboration. So thank you so much. Now to wrap up our conversation, I'm gonna bring us to our last question. And this is all about leadership advice that you've received. So Robin, in your career, you certainly have had the opportunity to work with powerful advisors, mentors, coaches, supervisors, What is a piece of leadership advice that you've received that's been really meaningful to you that you'd like to share with our audience?
1: Yes, I would love to. What's coming to mind is one of my very favorite scenes that relates to organizations comes from... Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. And today is November 30th. Tomorrow, we start December, getting into all of the the holiday season. So it's appropriate that I be talking about A Christmas Carol. But my very favorite movie is where George C. Scott is playing the role of Ebenezer Scrooge. So if you've ever seen that version, if you haven't, definitely do. But in that scene, uh, Jacob Marley, you know, the ghost, is, you know, having this confrontation conversation with with Ebenezer Scrooge and Ebenezer Scrooge says well Jacob you always were a good man of business and he uh the ghost roars in response business business mankind was my business charity benevolence and now I'm forgetting all the line I should have it memorized by now um the this was my business And what I did in the accounting house was but a drop in the ocean of my business. And if you've not seen that scene, go see it. Because to me, that is one of the answers is that humankind is our business. Can you just be a decent human being instead of being a jerk? Can you think about people as human beings, they're not just cogs in the wheel. In fact, both of our dear friends, Cass Henry, said that she got hired by a company and they said, how can we get more bodies? And she pretended that because she's from a foreign country, she didn't quite know what they were saying. So, well, what do you mean by bodies? I guess you could check the morgue. You know, there's lots of bodies in the morgue. And they're going, no, 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 we want people. And she said, well, if you want bodies, do you, want a, do you want a brain with that body? Do you want a heart with that body? Do you want a soul with that body? People who work here are not just bodies. They're human beings. And if we can think about when you walk through those doors, can you look at people as human beings and relate to them with that kind of, you know, mankind is my business. And I think if we can just take that into heart, and treat people that way, other things will fall into place.
0: Robin, I love that. There couldn't be a more powerful way to wrap up today's conversation. Thank you so much. And especially given that we are recording this during the holiday season, I feel like that remembrance of a holiday classic here in the United States, um, featuring the advice and guidance about the fact that humanity is really our job. That is the business that we are all in, lifting others up, providing counsel, supporting each other, being kind to one another, being servant-hearted, and being focused on accelerating the success of those around us. That is what it is to be a leader. So thank you for that amazing reminder. Thank you so much for your time, generously sharing your expertise with us. Robin Litster Johnson, it is my pleasure and privilege to be in relationship with you. And I am so, so honored that you joined Lead Hership Global for this powerful, powerful conversation about how to create a workplace where people actually want to go to work. So thank you so much, Robin. Thank you, Linda. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you for joining Lead Hership Global's award winning podcast. As a member of Leadership Global, you have the opportunity to meet inspirational leaders, create lifelong friendships, and be surrounded by others who are invested in your success. Join our global community of inspiring women in leadership, women who will help you create greater levels of impact, support your personal and professional breakthroughs, and help you accelerate your success. Don't miss out on the opportunity to show up, speak up, and step up in your professional and your personal life. Find out how you can join us at leadhershipglobal.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.